Andrew Talks to Chefs is an independent podcast. For current and past episodes, Andrew's blog, contact information, and more, please visit andrewtalkstochefs.com. To support us, please visit patreon.com slash andrewtalkstochefs. Enjoy the show. Andrew Talks to Chefs is brought to you in part by San Pellegrino Sparkling Natural Mineral Water. For more than 120 years, San Pellegrino has been inspiring people to savor life and tasteful moments around the table. As chefs and restaurants have evolved worldwide, San Pellegrino has always been there to complement the food they serve, the moments they create, and to support them in both good and challenging times. Learn more at sanpellegrino.com. I'm Massimo Bottura. This is Amanda Cohen. This is David Kinch. This is Mike Anthony. This is Huni Kim. This is Amanda Freitag. This is Richard Blaze. This is Paul Kahn. This is Curtis Stein. This is Stephen Harris. This is Missy Robbins. And you're listening to Andrew Talks to Chefs. Today, on an Andrew Talks to Chefs special conversation, Rob Connolly, chef and owner of Bull Rush Restaurant in St. Louis, Missouri, discusses how chefs, colleagues, and the industry overall can create a welcoming environment and more opportunities for queer cooks and chefs. That's coming right up on this episode of Andrew Talks to Chefs. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is Andrew Talks to Chefs. I am your host, Andrew Friedman. If you've been listening to our last few episodes, just to keep you posted on my whereabouts, not that anybody is looking for me, or I hope nobody's looking for me. I am back in Brooklyn, New York. I'm at my home desk after four incredible days in Philadelphia. Uh, I was at the Philadelphia, excuse me, the Philly Chef Conference for the first time since 2020. As always, a wonderful event put on by Mike Trout and his team, especially his colleague, Paul. Paul, I'm embarrassed. I don't know your last name. Uh, But uh, just an amazing event, as always. Keeps growing, keeps getting bigger and better. Uh, They keep tweaking it. It's also a very hospitable event. Mike used to be in the hospitality industry directly, and it really shows in how they treat uh, their guest speakers and presenters. Uh, I've been honored to be in that category for several years now. I also did quite a bit of podcasting both at the conference and in Philadelphia. I stayed an extra day to do some some extra interviews, and I'll be sharing those soon. I'll be weaving them in to our output over the next few weeks. On today's show, we have back someone who we aired a feature biographical interview with not long ago, Rob Connolly. You may remember Rob as the chef who specializes in his take on Ozark cuisine. He has the restaurant Bull Rush in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, as you heard in that episode, Rob is a very intelligent, very thoughtful, very analytical chef and has a background in academics. Um, And he recently posted on Instagram a very impassioned post. Uh, It was prompted by uh, the actions of the Missouri State Legislature. I've I've been trying to since uh, a few years ago 
not really discuss politics too much on the show. Uh, uh, I know a lot of you liked it. A fair bit of listeners did not. Um, I, I should say going into this conversation, I do not consider issues of equality, dignity, and respect to be political issues. I do think politics is very often the mechanism by which uh, we uh, enact laws, ordinances, rules, policies that ensure people get treated in that way and have those same rights uh, that everybody else does. But as to uh, whether or not they deserve that, that is not a political question to me. That is a simple fact of humanity for me. Um, so that's my orientation on, on subjects like these. Uh, in any event, Rob's post was occasioned uh, by some actions of the Missouri State Legislature. If you want to read the entire post, I do link to it in the description of today's episode at andrewtalkstochefs.com. But he uses that as a springboard to make some comments about some continued challenges in the restaurant industry. I'm just going to read a little of his post here. Quote, in my own realm of restaurant work, queer employees rarely advanced to leadership positions when GayCities.com recently named me top queer chef in the world. Congratulations on that distinction, Rob. I realized just how few of us have been allowed to rise, especially in fine dining. Even colleagues that I consider friends have subtly created an unwelcoming or harmful environment for me and in my own kitchen through their comments and actions. That's obviously um, a very stunning comment to make at the end there about his own kitchen. Um, and moreover, you know, I think this is a time when the food media is obviously trying to make up for years of lost uh, attention uh, by covering uh, previously marginalized communities. Uh, excuse my voice, by the way. I had a terrible allergy attack um, when I was in Philadelphia and it left me with this souvenir. I'm going to drink a little Pellegrino as I uh, continue this introduction. <clears throat> anyway, I can't edit it out or it'll take me all day to get the show posted. But, um, you know, uh, journalists are, are, are trying to make up for a lot of lost time uh, in covering the queer community uh, as well as other marginalized communities uh, in the industry. Um, there's a lot of talk at conferences about... Um, the queer community and other marginalized communities. There was actually a very moving conversation at the Philly Chef Conference that was led by Ashley Christensen. Um, but for all of the progress that's been made, um, especially if you're in a big metropolitan city as I am in New York, um, you know, it's, I think, easy to maybe lose sight of the fact that a lot of age-old uh, struggles continue unabated, um, uh, and that includes for the queer community. So when I read that post, um, having felt like I'd established a rapport with Rob when we interviewed last year, um, I reached out to his team and asked if he'd like to come on uh, the podcast again and expand on what he had to say in the limited confines of an Instagram post. He accepted uh, we recorded this interview just about two weeks ago today, and um, I have to say, I was struck again as I was editing it and getting it ready 
uh, to share with all of you that I was once again struck by, you know, it's 2023 and I'm, I'm depressed, but also motivated um, by how much these and other issues persist in our society. Uh, before I get to it, I do want to do, as I do on every episode, a mention of my forthcoming book, The Dish, The Lives and Labor Behind One Plate of Food. I'm very proud of it. If you go to the link for this show or all recent episodes at andrewtalkstochefs.com or wherever you listen to the show, you will see a link to where you can purchase the book. Uh, it's a link that takes you to a page at HarperCollins. And from there, there are buttons where you can go to Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Books A Million, wherever you like to buy your books. So as you can hear, my voice is giving out again. So I'm going to wrap up this introduction and get you right to my conversation with Rob Connolly. Here you go. Rob Connolly, welcome back to the podcast. I wanted to invite you on because you posted something on your Instagram account last week. It was tied to the actions and attitudes of the Missouri, what is it, the state legislature? Yes. You clearly uh, were very alarmed and upset about attitudes toward queer people in society, especially young people. You raised the subject of the disproportionately high number of suicides that occur among that population and just how dangerous and unaccepting society can be. And then you tied it into why, you know, more specifically, I wanted to talk with you today and to what you see is still continuing attitudes and trends and kind of an insidious low ceiling placed on this population in the culinary industry. Is that a fair way to sum it up? Yeah, I think that is true. You know, it's so easy now to kind of think, you know, it's like when Barack Obama was elected and, and, and you know, people jokingly said, oh, there's no more racism now. We see queer people participating in television shows like Top Chef. We see people openly out as chefs when that used to be an incredibly rare thing, although it's still not really all that common uh, relative to uh, who's probably out there. And let me just start generally and then we'll dial down. What, what are some of the prevailing attitudes um, and I guess prejudices toward the queer population in the industry that you think maybe people have a blind spot to? I think it's still more commonly accepted to have queer people in the front of house. Uh, you know, your stereotypical gay server. And back of house, I think that that barrier is still there to some extent. When that barrier is no longer there or appears to not be there, very often it's an environment that is, um, let's say, accepting but not supportive. Uh, you know, that that's language we often use in the queer community because it's one thing to say, well, I've got gay friends. I, I, I'm okay with gay stuff. And when I say gay in this instance, I'm saying that more in the vernacular, but of course, including all of queer people. But the next level beyond acceptance is like a true level of support, meaning not just I'm okay with it, but I want to lift you up and uh, help you to uh, be as as good and successful as you can be. You know, one of the things I put in that Instagram post, which an Instagram post is not news, right? I'm talking to the people who support me and who who kind of know my story. 
Um, I've had people in my own kitchen who have said and done things that I know in their heart of hearts they did not intend to be anti-queer. I know that. These are good people who have been in an industry for a long time who feel that things can be said or done that are acceptable. And these are all generalities. I'm not saying specifics, although I'm happy to throw some out there. But an outsider would say, well, just toughen up. I mean, things get said all the time. It's not that easy when you know your job, your reputation are on the line. I'll give you a very real example. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I don't really like an example, not for the sake of like being, you know, gossipy yeah. or, or anything like that, but just to illustrate to people who might be listening something, you know, that maybe they don't know would, would land a certain yeah. way with certain yeah. people. Well, and I'm going to give you two examples. One is restaurant related and one is not, because literally just today, I had a doctor's appointment. It was with a dermatologist. Look, I, I lived at high altitude a long time, so I spent a lot of time at the dermatologist getting uh, fixed uh, with sun damage. And uh, the doctor asked if I was on any medications. And I, I didn't even think to answer. I hadn't reported anything to him, and I didn't think to give them an answer because from a dermatological perspective, I'm not on anything. Um, but I'm on PrEP you know, for safety. It's a preventive measure. It's very common in the queer community. And somehow that was in her records, somehow some joint shared database. And she stopped and paused and said, so are you not on PrEP? And so then I, I realized what had happened. I said, oh yeah, I am. And she said, now is this treatment or prevention? Okay. To her, she's just getting the facts, but she doesn't understand. I've got a a history of doctors in the past who have done discriminatory um, treatment at, related to being queer. And she can't understand that when she's just trying to do her job. Okay. When I'm talking about the kitchen, it's the same kind of thing. I had a sous chef, really amazing guy, not just a great cook. He was a good friend. Um, and I think still is. And <laughs> He listened to the Joe Rogan podcast in the restaurant all the time. I didn't really care for Joe Rogan anyway, but every now and then he would have some queer related comment. And there's just a an edge to it that was like, well, I'm okay with gay people. And then he'd go on with the joke or the shtick. I would cringe when I would hear these things because no, that is really homophobic, anti-queer, whether you think it is or not. It's these are statements or comments or jokes that are, are hurtful or intended to mock. And so to bring this kind of full circle and you say, you know, people are on TV and well, sure, it's OK when we're entertainment. It's OK when you're able to say, well, I have gay friends, but that's not the same as being supportive. And it's not the same as saying um, there won't be a negative recourse by being fully out and open. It's not talking about my sex life in public or at work. I wouldn't do that any more than anyone else would. But there are implications. There are consequences. Does that happen with media? Does that happen with the word processes? Does that happen with my peers? I don't know. I think people are smart enough and savvy enough to know better than to say anything publicly, whether it even exists or not. Yeah, it's interesting to me because, you know, in that post, uh, kind of like you just did with the, the example of, you know, what goes on in the kitchen with, with what podcast people might be listening to, you did say that you have friends who 
you know, are good people who, who without meaning to, in some cases, uh, you know, would fall into this category of behavior you're talking about. I'm reminded of, I think 10 years ago, maybe I, I, I interviewed Jeremiah Tower, who was probably the first high profile, you know, out chef we had in this country. And, you know, he said that he was welcome into the, the, the kind of power circle of, you know, the top chefs in the country at the time, but that he always had this sense that no one could quite square the fact that he could be as wildly successful as he was and also be gay. Yeah. And he said he couldn't point to anything that happened. It was just this vibe that was omnipresent, right? That was always there, that he knew he was being regarded as a bit of a, of a curiosity, you know, and wondered what probably people were saying behind his back. But let's, I'd love to maybe talk about this other component of this um, post, because one very specific thing you said was that advancement tends to be kept from queer people in the industry as you observe it. I'm wondering if you could expand on that a little. And I'm I'm also wondering, you know, I've had a number of talks. The one I can think of most prominently was with Anita Lowe, who, who's no longer in restaurants, but used to have the restaurant Anissa in New York City. And she made this comment to me once that, you know, when she was trying to raise money for that restaurant, she would have all these meetings, but it would never quite get to close. You know, she would never quite get people to commit to the money, you know, ultimately she did. And that she thought whether they knew it or not, which is what resonates with me with regard to the post you wrote, she thought there was a, a sexism at work that maybe people, they thought of themselves as better than that, but there was no other way for her to explain how someone of her uh, capability, experience, reputation, had such a harder time raising money to open a fairly modest restaurant um, than all these guys that she knew. With that, I'll ask for your thoughts. Yeah, I, it's it's funny because what do I and these other chefs that you're talking about bring to the table um, that makes us think that? Now, is it just in our heads? Is it is it experience that gives us some cognitive bias that's really just, quite frankly, uh, bullshit? Or is there something really there? You know, uh, you telling that story is funny to me because I here I am four years after opening Bull Rush, and two things have really stood out to me related to all this. One, uh, when I got the James Beard nomination, I think it was last year, someone told me that I'm only the second queer chef to get that nomination in this city. How is that? possible in all those years with all the chefs who've come through the ranks. But okay, maybe that's just statistics and it's possible. The other one, though, is when I came to town, remember, I had a successful restaurant back in New Mexico, successful enough that we bought our own building. So I came here with a quarter million dollar building, um, not to get too, well, I guess I'll be specific with numbers, well over 100,000 cash in the bank well over $100,000 in investors in the bank on top of my 100 with impeccable credit with a business plan that uh, we I always worked with the SBDC, the Small Business Development Center, just to support me in that process. They were like, this plan's as solid as it gets. With 10 years of experience, a proven track record of running a restaurant, and yet 12 banks turned me down. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that's because I'm queer. 
I, you know, I can't do that. None of them would have said or done anything to suggest that. And yes, restaurants are high risk. So why, as an openly gay man who, you know, when I have to put my co-owner, who's my husband, on that list, why would a, a very modest restaurant like mine, speaking of modest, you know, because we were less than a quarter million for the whole project, why would so many banks turn us down? Banks that are known to loan to restaurant startups. I'll never have that answer. I will always have that nagging question of why they were not willing to support a proven track record with all sorts of accolades in media. I don't know. Um, so there, there's no way to answer that question. No, I say no one's stupid enough. Of course, we always have examples of people who are stupid enough to say things publicly. Uh, but there is no way for me to know uh, what the root of those decisions was. Yeah. But like you say, and I, I mean, in, in conversation uh, with other people, do you, is this like a huge, is this a big topic of conversation among other queer chefs that you know? Uh, does this tend to come up a lot? Is it kind of, is there kind of an assumption that that is like what you just described with the banks, that, that your worst suspicions are probably true, it's not provable, but there's just such a, a critical mass of experiences that it's hard to deduce anything else? Yeah, absolutely. And what I see is uh, they tend to leave the industry. You know, I, I think about a number of people here in St. Louis that just left. And why do they leave? Do they leave because there's an anti-gay sentiment or do they leave because they don't feel they have the support? Um, whether that's the restaurant industry, the banking industry, the foodie, you know, and people I'm thinking about, of course, all have good food because if your food sucks, it doesn't matter who you are, your food sucks. Uh, but people who had risen up and just finally jumped out and said, I'm going to do other things. I, I, I think that has a lot to do, you know, with why I'm still in it. I'm obstinate. And quite frankly, I just want to say F you to anyone who wants to get in my way because I believe in what I'm doing. I believe in uh, the food and the programs that we do at the restaurant. And so get out of my way if you're not going to support me. But not everyone has that uh, that bravado and, and also the track record to pull that off. Well, and you've also, you mean, again, you talked about this notion of advancement, right? And it being denied to people, but you have arrived at a place where you have your own restaurant. Right. So, yeah, but I never I, ne I never worked for anyone else. So who who's going to get in my way in terms of internal advancement? Well, no, but that's what I'm saying. You're sort of that that factor. You've managed to do, go about your career in a way where you've managed to um, do an end run around that around that factor. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, I'm very aware that even though I'm gay, I am a white male. And as a white male, I have more benefits more power than other people. There, there's a chef in town that I, I just have crystal clear in my mind right now who has done amazing things, who is well-loved, who was kind of lifted up, but just to an extent and then stopped and um, has left the industry. And I think here's someone who I can only imagine have a different experience going to a bank than I would. And I know I struggled. Um, so throwing in that extra layer makes it even more challenging. It's easier when you're in the system, in the network, in the good old boys club to be able to advance and to get money. 
Uh, and, and, you know, we, we didn't open this to talk about money, but let's be real. If you're going to do a restaurant, you need money and you need to know how to get that money and have the connections to get that money. And if you don't, you're looking for a benefactor at that point. Totally. When you get an invitation from someone like me to, you know, come on the air, talk about this, um, uh, is there any hesitancy? Is there any concern about backlash? Do you think you will hear any complaints that you're voicing something like this um, publicly? Or, or is that not even something you bother to, to stop and think about? No, I, I absolutely do. Because I did a interview, a print interview, I think last year, the year before. And I immediately got um, some feedback from people that was not supportive. <laughs> and it, it, the thing is, it's the way you're wording these questions that is the issue that um, gives me hesitancy. Because if we can all just acknowledge that we don't know, we don't know. It's a gut feeling that comes from experience. Is it based in reality or is it based in our heads? We don't know. So I am never going to say such and such chef or bank or restaurant group discriminates against queer people. We can't do that. So I feel better saying it to you than, than I did after that last article. But the other thing is, I'm just, I don't know, anyone who follows me has probably seen it on my social media. I'm kind of done. I'm kind of done with the bullshit and the sugarcoating my comments because there's big things that can happen if we allow them to happen. And if people aren't going to allow them, I'm going to push what I think is important. You know, the, this is not about today's interview, but we're doing a reparative restaurant, a restaurant based on the reparations concept. There are people who hate that I'm doing that because it's, it's putting pressure on an industry that already lives on the margins. And you know what? I don't care because I believe it's right. It's no different with this topic. I look at the 31 bills introduced in the Missouri legislature that are anti-queer. 31. That's over 20% of all the bills nationwide are in Missouri. And here I am running a business, one, that creates tax revenue for that state, and two, trying to run a business in a state that is saying that I am not the same equality as other business owners. That's tough. And so, yeah, I'm speaking up. Yes, I'm, I'm willing to take the whatever backlash may or may not exist. I'm sure there's people who won't ever come to my restaurant because of it. I'm sure there are bankers who would not be interested in funding anyone who speaks up. But I'm also, I don't care. I've got a solid track record because my track record is about action, not words. And after 15 years, people can't find flaws in it. So I'm willing to say, F you. You know, we're going to do what's right, period. But before I ask you the next question, I just, I mean, if I, you, when I, you said a second ago that it was the way I was phrasing some of these questions that gave you pause. In a good, in a good way. Oh, in a good way. Okay. I was going to yeah, say, yeah, yeah. you know, I would have welcomed a corrective. No, because, because you word it that way, it, it immediately acknowledges to me that, that we can both go forward in the answer and say, we don't know. Oh, sure. Um, and it, so that's not a negative. That's, that's very much a positive to me versus people who they're looking for the, the dirt, the grit. And that's kind of what happened in that print article. Like it was an LGBT positive story and they really wanted to have the meat on the bones to show how terrible the industry was. And the reality is I can't 
give the meat on the bones. I can, I can show you and tell you my experiences and we can deduce whether that is or not. And so, no, I, I was happy with your wording actually. Oh, okay. I just wanted to, I just wanted to see if we had any air to clear. Um, can you just comment, you know, I, I find that I'm just wondering if you agree with this and I'm wondering if you have any insight into it. You may not. It's certainly nothing new. It's a, I would make a strange comparison to the world of professional sports. Women being out in the world of professional sports is something that's been largely accepted, you know, mostly accepted for decades now. For a man in professional sports to even contemplate being openly queer is still a a huge risk. Um, You know, I used to cover the tennis world. We haven't had an out male tennis player in, you know, the top 100 ever. Wow. they have to be out there just as a, as a matter of uh, statistics. It feels the same way to me in pro cooking. Uh, you know, there are so many women who are, are, are openly queer. Doesn't seem to bother many people. It, it doesn't seem to hold them back in the same way. I'm wondering if you agree with that observation and if you have any insight into it. <laughs> well, I see him on Grindr. <laughs> so. <laughs> So, so I, I know they exist. I, I think about why the advancement doesn't happen. I, I think it's related to all this. You know, if, if your chef is a cis hetero male and, you know, the chefs I know tend to be kind of dominant, kind of powerful, uh, kind of goes with the job. Now, did they get the job because they're, or do they have that because of the job? I don't know, but Think about who they spend their time with in the kitchen or who feels safe spending time with them. So let's say you have this really powerful cis uh, hetero male chef and they, they are fully queer supportive. Do they feel comfortable being around someone who's just a little softer than them? And I'm, I, that, I, that word makes me cringe, but I, I'm not sure a better way of communicating that to the listener or... If you are that queer chef, even if you're out, let's say you're fully out, do you feel comfortable around that dominant cis hetero chef? I I think that really gets to the root of the dynamics in the kitchen because who's going to advance? It's the people the chefs are able to spend the time with. I mean, I think about the guys I'm working with now. Um, You know, I have a very small team, but there's one that I can spend a lot more time with than the other. And the one benefits by working in my kitchen more than the other. Uh, you know, put yourself in a bigger kitchen then. I, I just think that dynamic probably has as much to do with things as anything else in a, getting more queer chefs to the top. Last question for you. Again, going back to that post, it's amazing how many things I'm extracting from, you know, two paragraphs or three paragraphs. But you did say something in there to the effect of, you know, and if you're reading this and, you know, you're not getting it or you're wondering, you know, how you can be better. I think you said FFS for fuck's sake, ask, right? Um, (laughs) If I just put it out there that broadly, you know, people who are listening to this, who, you know, are cisgendered hetero males who maybe don't think they have an issue. Maybe they don't. For people who, who may have a blind spot, who may be doing things that they're, that they're not aware they're doing, um, what, are, what are just one or two things, you know, when you say, for fuck's sake, ask, what, what would the answer, what would you 
say to somebody? Well, I, I don't need a chef to have a pride flag embroidered onto their jacket, <laughs> you right. know? Yeah. Um, but I, I'll tell you, I had a manager in my own restaurant that uh, would pick the music. And there was one night that became very glaring what was going on. Very heterosexual, hetero hyphen sexual um, music being played about uh, big booties and boobs and vaginas. No problem. Now, we only do that at the end of the night, just for, so you know. Sure. <laughs> and And then... My staff is almost half queer, and one of my guys um, played Lil Nas X. And the manager turned it off and said, that's not appropriate here. And there were still customers in the room. And I'm like, wow, isn't that such a, a, a problem here? It's the same in the back kitchen. It's like, okay, what do, what do I want the chef to do? One, you can ask me. I can tell you about the the friend uh, who came to me and said, I've got a lesbian student who said she doesn't feel comfortable talking to me. What do you think? And she never let me answer. And the answer was, yeah, I don't feel comfortable talking to you about queer stuff. Why would I? The thing, the politics that you talk about make it clear that you do not support me the same way that I need you to. It's listening instead of talking. Maybe that's even a better way of saying how to, to handle that. And that's hard for chefs because it's our kitchen and our time and our space. But if, if you shut up for a second and listen to who's talking always and who's not, and how do you get the voices who are not as vocal to be lifted up and heard and, and considered, that creates an environment where diversity happens, which I don't care if you like that part of it or not, but diversity of thought happens. And the kitchen will always, always, always be better when more people can contribute to the ideas that are bantered around in a kitchen. If you only have a homogenous group of people surrounding you, you have a bunch of yes men, then you're not going to get any better. And so what do you ask? Ask people to speak up, and if they don't, then figure out why they're not and create the space for them to do it. And that's our show for today. Again, my great thanks to Rob Connolly for coming back on the pod and sharing his thoughts. Andrew Talks to Chefs is produced by Table 12 Productions. The show is written, booked, edited, mixed, and hosted by me, Andrew Friedman. If you'd like to support us, we ask that you do that by telling a friend, rating or reviewing us at Apple Podcasts, or posting about the show on social media. Our handle on Instagram for doing that is at Chef Podcast. Our thanks, as always, to After School Special for our music. Please check out their album, Double Barrel, single Entendre on iTunes. Please follow us on Instagram. Again, the handle there for the show is at Chef Podcast. And my personal handle, where you can follow my writing, dining, and social adventures, is at Tokeland Andrew, T-O-Q-U-E-L-A-N-D. Andrew, thank you very much for listening, and we will be back soon with another episode of Andrew Talks to chefs.